Yo, yo, what is good, my people? It's your boy, Big Drizlax. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode here at the Drizlax Hip Hop Show for now. That's what we're going to be calling it for now. Man, the episode last week titled My Grandma's Couch, which was episode 45, uh, was supposed to be the last episode of this season, but there was actually another episode that I did a while back, and that was reviewing three movies, which were... Let me pull this shit up. So the three movies were Greenland, Nobody, and Mortal Kombat. It just didn't sit well with me as, you know, like a overall body of work. You got season one, and you look back at the episodes, and I'm extremely proud of some of the shit that I've done, even the ones that didn't get the craziest numbers. There's a there's one called Jay-Z and Takeshi 69, King of New York, or something like that. It's crazy that that didn't get a lot of love because the message on there is so um, dope, I thought. But yeah, I just couldn't let this rest, really. I couldn't let this one episode sit amongst the other 44 episodes. So I was like, you know what? Grandma's Couch needs a part two. And from just the feedback that I've gotten this last week, man, it's just been overwhelming. And I thought maybe I need to do another one of these episodes and tie it into some other shit that I've been thinking about as far as 50 Cent goes and his power universe. I mean, me and Fizzer have spoken about it before. If you haven't checked that episode out, check it out. But I have this kind of like theory and it ties in really well to what I've been going through in my life. So yeah, let's drop this intro for the very last time. This is the last time you're going to hear this intro for this season, and uh, season two is going to be a banger, man. I've got some things lined up. I can't wait to share this shit with you guys, but yo, let's do this. Thank you again for joining me on another week of the Drizlax Babble Show. And uh, man, you guys out there with the messages that hit me up during the week, it just means so fucking much to me that you're taking time out of your day, out of your busy schedule to hit me up. It's just crazy to me. And the kind words, man, it's just, it's some neck shit. So um, before we get started, just excuse my cold. I've had a cold uh, for a couple of weeks now and my voice isn't really where it's supposed to be at, but yeah, we're going to get through this shit. So last week I kind of touched on these things about me sleeping on my grandma's couch. You know, I wanted to move back to Sydney, so I went up there for three to four months, stayed with Rizzo, one of the boys from Rigorous, and ended up finding an apartment in the city. I was living on George Street for the last month that I was there, and then I was just got mad homesick and shit. Actually, I think I made the excuse that I was just going to come down to Melbourne for a little bit. I think I had something to do. I can't even remember what that was, but I was going to come back to Melbourne, then I was going to go back to Sydney, and I just came back to Melbourne, and I never went back. So I ended up just kind of 
being homeless for a minute. Um, it was uh, about a year or so. And one thing about my grandma is that she's just, she's an amazing person straight up. And it wasn't really that much of a hassle staying with her. I was never really there, but her door was always open to me. There was always food there. She'd always set up a place for me to sleep on her couch and shit like that. So yeah, I was rock bottom and I didn't have a job. I didn't have no income and I was, you know, living on the dole and just fucking around and just chasing that party wherever it was, whatever, whoever rang, I was there, you know, I was just potting around doing nothing with my life. So it was, it wasn't as bad as it sounds, but still, I mean, shit, I was homeless. I was jobless and Maybe to some people that actually sounds really bad where they're just like, holy crap. Before that, I lived in a million dollar apartment in Richmond for five years. I was paying my rent late, but it was just crazy, man. Living in this big ass uh, double story, four bedroom apartment. We had a swimming pool, a spa and a sauna gym in the building, a foyer with a concierge, all that kind of shit. And that was right on the Yarra. Two balconies on the top balcony, we used to grow weed. <laughs> and um, it was interesting living there. I liked living there, but I was just fucking around so much. I was just partying way too hard. Like, And when I say party, I just mean I was fucked up every single day. Every single fucking day I was fucked up. And um, I don't want to go into specifics because... Obviously, I have a job these days and I don't really want to pummel what I've got going for me now. You never know who's listening to these things, man. People out there, they're just scandalous. You know, they're snitches. They might take this shit to a supervisor or a manager. And like, I stand behind what I say. And the point of this podcast is just to help people, man. So the way that I started to turn things around was I just kind of removed myself from the scene and from certain people. Then I ended up just getting my own place. I moved in by myself, which was really hard to do because my credit history was shit. I didn't have any rental history. I needed a homie to kind of pretend like he was the one renting the one better. So while I was in there for four years or whatever, like it was under his name. It's funny because the real estate agent used to call me by his name as well for the whole four years. And then in the end, when I moved out, there was some shit that went down, um, not like bad shit, but it was like Andre. And they were like, oh, who's Andre? Like, I thought we were dealing with this other dude. <laughs> so, yeah, credit history was fucked up. Rental history was fucked up. Like, if you don't have that one person in your life, which I had, who's like, you know, he was like a brother to me and shit. And I say he was because, yeah, we're not in each other's lives anymore, which is kind of crazy to me as well. It's like somebody that I thought I'd have in my life for the rest of my life and somebody that I loved dearly. But life just works in mysterious ways, I guess, sometimes, and relationships aren't meant to survive. It's just how it is. Um, it's unfortunate. It really is because you got somebody that means a lot to you, you know, and yeah, like you just got to move on, right? Slowly but surely, I was at a crossroads for sure. I was really at a crossroads. I was doing some work for some people that 
wasn't a good situation in the end. Like, the shit was crazy, man. This bus was on, like, Channel 7, Channel 9. Like, there was fucking things written up in the papers and stuff about it. So it wasn't, like, a small-time thing. It was a lot bigger than even I knew what it was, you know? Like, I didn't know that it fucking extended to all this other, you know, to these other people who were running the show and how high it went up and... I kind of, I guess it kind of freaked me out in the end. Once I started seeing these news stories, like imagine like being a part of something that you don't know how high it goes and then turning on the news one day or someone sending you a link to the news and you're watching this shit and you're going, I'm a part of that. You got to be fucking kidding me. So some serious shit. So when I walked away, I had to go and sit down with someone and talk it out and just be like, I've got this job lined up and I'm going to go and just be a nine to five working class, you know, blue collar person. And, um, you know, there was a lot of laughs. I remember they, that person was kind of looking at me going like, you got to be fucking kidding me. You're going to work nine to five. And even I couldn't believe it at the time. I remember praying and just saying, look, man, um, I need a change in my life and um, that's kind of what happened. The way that I wanted to tie this into the 50 Cent shit is because when I came up in the 90s, Adelaide in the 90s was hectic, right? There was a lot of crazy shit going on. Dudes used to roll each other, the graph scene and like if you were into hip-hop, man, there was all this crazy shit happening and back in the 90s, there was a lot of people that were into hip-hop. Now... Like, I kind of feel like a lot of the influences came from American music, like the hip-hop music scene, that whole gangster shit, the hoodies, the thug shit, the this, the that. And now I'm kind of seeing that come around with the 50 Cent universe. I know a lot of you are probably thinking, like, what the fuck is this dude talking about? But look at 50 Cent's show, Power. That blew up. Now he's got BMF, he's got Ghost 2, he's got uh, Tommy, which is going to be in Chicago, that's Force. Then uh, I think I'm missing one as well, uh, Raising Canaan as well. So instead of like these albums, these gangster albums, Ice Cube, Westside Connection, Park, Thug Life, this, that, whatever it was back in the 90s. All of a sudden, now we've got these drug dealing shows and it's all like 50 cent behind the shit. So it's like these albums back in the days that used to drop to influence kids. And now it's these TV shows by 50 cent that are influencing kids. I hope that a lot of kids watch those shows and don't buy in. They don't buy in too much into that kind of lifestyle. Because take it from somebody that lived that lifestyle, it's all bad. All of it is bad. The people that you're surrounded by are a waste of fucking time. They're a joke. The money that you think you're going to make, you might. You might make it. And trust me, I had my pockets fat as fuck once upon a time. But the amount of money that I gave back for my addictions far outweighed anything that I ever made. The jail time, the bad credit ratings, the not being able to rent a property, not having a car, to your word just being fucking useless and meaningless just isn't worth it. It's funny how they glamorize 
these things. They kind of glamorize this show as like, yo, be a big bad G. Thug life, baby, you know. But you got you know what I mean. You know what I mean? Like, don't buy, don't buy too deep into these shows. The way that I think you should be a gangster, right, is you go out and you buy some equipment and you start writing tracks. You start producing tracks. You get a bit of social media shit going on. You buy a camera. You buy a laptop. It's amazing what you can achieve with the fucking laptop and a camera these days. Start speaking about certain things that affected your life. And if you're not making money off that, work a nine to five. Use that nine to five to build the life that you want. Use the pain from that nine to five to build the life that you want. If you hate getting up at fucking 3.30 like me the other day, Wednesday and Friday I did overtime. So I got to get up at like 3.30 to 3.50 and I have to be at work at 6 o'clock to do a 10-hour day. Now, the extra hour and a half that I do with the meal money ends up being like $80 plus. If you do that twice a week, that's 160 Not bad. After tax, it'll be about 130 bucks. That's just the OT. Now, that 130 bucks, you can turn it into a microphone stand. The week after that, you buy a microphone or you save up for two or three weeks and you buy a microphone. See what I'm saying? Like, you can use things like Afterpay. I actually use Afterpay a lot. You don't need a credit rating or anything like that. And um, I also have the other one, ZipPay as well. That's for like larger items or whatever. But after my Afterpay limit's at $3,000, so... <laughs> I don't really need that zip pay shit, but um, it took me a long time to get my credit rating back to where it is now, like where I could actually walk into a car dealership and get a car or that, to me, that's gangster. To me, that's fucking gangster. The camera, the microphones, producing something, being a photographer, doing podcasts, painting. If you're an artist and you're dope at art, get a camera, get a GoPro and just fucking set it up, top down shot and start drawing and shit. Share it on YouTube. None of it is hard. You don't even have to talk. Like you could just show your art and just maybe put a track in the background, one of your beats or whatever. Like I wish I had fucking somebody back in the days saying stuff like this to me where, fuck, I made so many bad decisions. Honestly, it's just, it's crazy. Like when you surround yourself by certain people, you're just bound to fucking fail at every single turn. When you surround yourself with winners and people that are like, no, nah, I'm not doing that shit. And I used to meet these people on the way and I don't, I'd never click with them because I'd be like, fuck this dude, man. He's like all uppity and shit talking about all this positive shit and he's like fucking got goals. What a loser. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like straight up. But this whole 50 cent like power universe of being a bad guy and being gangster and I think uh, a lot of people out there don't have the balls to do some of these things. When you're cruising on a motorbike in one of the hottest areas in Melbourne, in North Richmond, with something that could put you in jail in your fucking backpack 24-7, being pulled over by police and hiding shit up your sleeve and being patted down and they're going through your pockets, man. Like they go through your fucking pockets and they know that you got something on you, but they can't find it. And there's 
always weighs, you know, like the amount of times that I had baggies with the fucking pin on the inside T-shirt just fucking pinned to, to the inside T-shirt and then have a polo over the top, like things that could put you in jail, man, for a very long fucking time and being patted down and the cop's looking at you and he knows that you just made a pickup. He knows you're doing a run, but he can't find the shit, like. You don't want to be in those situations. You get on your bike and you're sweating and you got to go use more drugs and you got to fucking support your habit. And you, It's a shit fucking lifestyle and it'll catch up with you. It's karma. When you fuck with bad shit, when you dance with the devil, you're going to, sooner or later, you're going to slip. So when you're doing good things, it's the same thing. Sooner or later, it will pay off. So... These shows, take them at face value, watch the shit, it's entertainment. But if there's one person out there that hears me on this shit, trust me, I lived that life hard. I lived it fucking hard. I was surrounded by stupid motherfuckers since I was a young motherfucker, straight up. Dudes that were fucking prospecting for bikies, Asian gangs, this, that, whatever. I've done it all and it's all shit. Being in a fucking cold jail cell, sleeping on mats with a thin little blanket. The fucking TV goes on in the morning at 7 o'clock behind the cage. The lights go on. There's no sleeping in, man. They want you up early. It's fucking torture. And then you just sit around with fucking dumbasses all day talking shit about fucking things that you used to do, scores you used to do. It's horrible, man. It's horrible. Build a fucking studio instead. Turn your life around. I said this shit last week. If I can do it, anybody can do it. The pain and the suffering that I went through. Just avoid it. Avoid the whole fucking thing. If you got problems with putting shit up your nose, putting things up your arm, drinking, if you can't enjoy your own company without substances, man, maybe it's time to look at that. Maybe it's time to address it. Maybe it's time to be like, you know what? Maybe I need to listen to that motherfucker Drizlax. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean... It's hard to listen to somebody else. It's hard to not be like, this dude's full of shit. Fuck this guy. What does he know? But, like I said, I've been there. I've done that. The 50 Cent Power Universe, entertainment only, man. You want to live that life? Scheming, conniving. You think that slanging drugs and all that shit isn't going to get you fucking jammed up? You think you're gonna be having you're gonna have nice clothes and nice cars and all this shit? Like it doesn't happen like that. The government is the biggest fucking gang of all. The minute you fucking start doing extremely well, they're the ones that are gonna come after you and go, Oh, hey, how did you afford this car? You don't have a job. How do you afford all this shit? You don't work. There's no get rich fucking quick shit. You gotta put in work. If nothing else, man, start looking at fucking crypto. Start looking at patterns. Start watching shows on YouTube. See, YouTube's something like, this is something that I need to talk about as well, just quickly. I'm going to fucking keep this podcast really short this week. But YouTube, honestly, changed my entire life. 
I was just fucking doing nothing. Like I'd already got my place and I was working, but I had no purpose in my life. And when YouTube came along and I started seeing these dudes with these crazy studios doing this photography shit, videography, podcasts, I'm like, what the fuck is this? I finally felt like this is something that I can do because I love the tech. I love the tech, man. My cameras are sitting right in front of me right now and I love this shit. I love the lenses. I love the photography side of these things. So instead of watching Netflix and the latest series of this, that, whatever, just bar it all and just start subscribing to certain YouTube channels. That's what it did for me. I was just like, oh, this guy's interesting. Lou later, Unbox Therapy. He's got his own show now where they have a podcast. I started watching that. Joe Rogan, even like Steve-O, he's got a podcast and shit. He has interesting guests on his show. I started watching that. You subscribe, you subscribe. You're like, oh, this dude's fucking doing interesting shit. You subscribe. Next thing you know, you're like, shit, man, I could do some of that stuff. I've got mad fucking stories to tell. So bit by bit. So before I end this shit, I just want to tell you one last story. Uh, there was something that went down, right? It was about a thirty, forty thousand dollars crime, and um, two lesbian coppers kicked down. Well, they don't kick down, but they jumped this huge fence to get into the backyard of the place where I'm staying at. Uh, I hear it, of course. It's about five thirty-six in the morning. I hear it. And um, I go to the backyard and there's two chicks standing in suits like, you know, those power suits. I'm standing next to this picture of Frank Sinatra when he got arrested with his, he's holding up that sign like, you know, you do when you get arrested in America. I'm in my boxer shorts. It's a pretty warm morning and I end up opening the door. I'm quite rude to them straight away and they're like, yo, you're coming to the station with us. They handcuff me. They wouldn't even let me put a fucking t-shirt on these two bitches straight up. So I'm in like a singlet and boxers, man. And uh, they drag me up to the police station. I'm no comment. The whole thing, no comment, no comment. They're talking to me. They're like, yo, you couldn't have done this by yourself. It would have, you know, you would have needed other people. Do you know who else was there with you? I wasn't there. No comment, no comment. And that's it. So... Because I was so rude and they got nothing out of me, they didn't want to drive me back. And I'm barefoot, right? They didn't want to drive me back. You know how motherfuckers get arrested? You see them on Channel 9 News and they're just throwing them in in their boxes and shit. Um, I was actually in jail one night and they fucking arrested these five dudes for manufacturing speed or whatever and they fucking all rocked up in their boxer shorts. And then the Salvation Army comes, of course, and, and gives you... These fucking clothes that make you look ridiculous. It's always shit that you'd never wear yourself, but um, better than nothing, right? So I'm walking back, and it's about a two, three-kilometer fucking walk and shit. I had to sign into that cop shop for so long after that. And, uh, you know, cars are beeping and shit. Like, I'm homeless, but I'm in my boxes, man, you know, and a fucking singlet and shit, and, like, cars are beeping. I was so embarrassed. And on that walk back, I was like, man, this is fucked. This is so fucked. And if you want to live that life, if you think that that's exciting, you're tripping. 
I had to sign into that cop shop for fucking months, almost half a year. I had to walk up to that cop shop, sign in, and then walk back. It was fucked. It's so funny how they glamorize shit through these shows, but it's never really like that. It's just not. Picture Drizlax fucking walking in these boxes in a singlet down a fucking 3K road. Not glamorous at all. But, um, yeah, I don't know about that crime. Don't know who did it. Uh, definitely wasn't there. You do get good paydays every now and then. I will say that, but it ain't worth it, man. Fuck it. Anyway, like I said, God had a bigger plan for me. If I can change my life around, anybody can. I believe in you, motherfuckers. Baby steps. I heard this shit the other day. Joe Rogan actually said it. He said, your mind is the one that's telling you to get out of bed. Your feelings are the ones that are saying, nah, it's too cold, it's too this, it's too that. They're the ones that are trying to keep you in bed. Next time you can't be fucked doing something, use your mind and just be like, yo, I'm doing this shit. Fuck your feelings. It's too hard. I don't know. Yeah, overthinking shit. Use your mind. Get it done. Zip it up. Word up. One love. Till the next time, episode one, season two, coming up. Love all you motherfuckers. See you on Instagram, at Drizlax, and uh, peace.